Good to see you. Thanks for joining us this morning. We're going to get started in just a moment. So make your way in. If, um, if you're just coming in, if you're out in the lobby and hear my voice, come on in and join us. Nice and warm in here. Well, it feels much better today, doesn't it, than yesterday? It's been, uh, 
It's been mostly a mild winter, so yesterday was a bit of a shock, but, um, but it feels much better today. Um, but it's good to be in this place, and um, it's good to be here to worship God. That's why we gather. And you know, we can worship the Lord in many different ways. We worship God by singing songs. We're going to do that in just a minute. We worship the Lord by opening his word and reading to see what he has uh, to say to us, and of course, we will do that together as well. We bring worship and honor to the Lord when we pray and when we fellowship. And today, after service, as most of you know, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so welcome to February. We have our fellowship lunch, so please uh, just remember everybody is welcome. Uh, whether you're able to bring food or not, it's, we always have plenty of food, and it's a great extended time of fellowship, and that blesses the Lord as well to see his people enjoying each other's company, encouraging each other, sharing testimonies and stories of our faith, and even just talking about what your week was like and being able to share uh, something about uh, what the Lord is doing. So we're actually going to hear a little bit after worship some testimonies about um, our outreach last um, Sunday to Delaware, so you get to hear some people sharing uh, what God did that day uh, in and through them and for them. And so we'll hear those in just a moment. But yes, you know, and we don't always say it this way, but we ask the Lord for blessings. But you know that um, Scripture shows us that we can bless the Lord. And we bless the Lord by gathering together. We bless the Lord by lifting up the name of Jesus. We bless the Lord by, um, by encouraging each other in our faith. And so I'd like to, uh, as our call to worship this morning from the Word of God, uh, to call us into worshiping him together. I'd like to read to you from Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, uh, the psalmist uh, David uses this word bless a lot. And perhaps this is one that you've heard before, but I'd like you to just sit and listen and um, take this opportunity as you hear the word of God read to you. And let it be a way to... Um, to let the Spirit uh, calm your hearts and prepare your minds uh, to, um, to worship him this morning. And so here's what it says in Psalm, the beginning of Psalm 103, and this will be our call to worship this morning. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, 
So great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Can we say amen to those beautiful words? Let's stand together and I'll pray us into a time of worship through song. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the beauty of your word. God, just this word bless. We want to be blessed today as your children, but we want to bless you, our heavenly Father, with all that is within us. Lord, we wanna bless you because of who you are, and we wanna bless you because of what you have done. Your word this morning has reminded us already that as far as the east is from the west, you have removed our transgressions from us. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, most of all for Jesus, because we know it is in him and in him alone that our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. So Lord, this morning, all that we do is simply saying thank you and giving you praise and honor and letting you know that you deserve all the glory because of who you are and what you have done for us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your graciousness. And Lord, now we worship you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, because of this, let us worship the Lord God together. Joy, my righteousness. 
seats and uh, the kids have gone down the hall to have their time together. Uh, thank you for uh, for joining us today here at Trinity. Remember that uh, we value these uh, three things as our core values, learn and grow and serve. That's how we pursue being disciples, by learning the truth and growing in faith and then of course serving and serving one another. Uh, in just a minute you'll hear from uh, a few people that went to serve last week um, at uh, the uh, outreach down in Delaware, so we get to hear some testimonies um, from them. And so um, it was a wonderful time. We just encourage you to continue to be a part of our missions outreaches that we do every month. We have one coming up at the end of this month. You'll hear more about it next week. Uh, but just continue to pray about opportunities to, uh, to get involved here at Trinity and whether it's um, serving here or serving outside these four walls um, it's just a, a great part of being um, a disciple of Jesus Christ 
here among a local gathering of believers. Uh, also remember, just a couple quick announcements before we hear our testimonies, that we have our Wednesday evening services, and um, it's still 6.30 to 7.30, but you remember a few weeks ago, we started meeting at the Allenwood Church down the road here in Allenwood, and um, it's uh, us and the Allenwood Church uh, and uh, Shiloh Baptist Church, Pastor Mike Morgan, and uh, we do our podcast together the first half of the evening, and uh, then we just open it up, and we have a, a great conversation, and we ask questions, and uh, it's very interactive, and uh, so take advantage of that as an opportunity. We do that every uh, Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30, and then right after that is our prayer gathering. It's wonderful to see people from all three churches staying to pray. It's so awesome praying for one another. You get to know each other and, and pray together, and there is... Um, kids ministry as well on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30. So parents uh, just know that you can come and have your kids be blessed as they're um, downstairs learning and we have an opportunity to gather uh, there. So uh, be mindful of that. And then uh, next Sunday is our annual meeting. And uh, so this is again open to everybody. Everybody's welcome to stay. Right after service, we'll have a little bit of fellowship and then we go right into it and uh, please make sure that you take one of the budgets. There's budgets outside. Uh, some of you took some last week. We have them on the Connection Center. Anybody can take them. But especially if you are a member here, you know, every year at the beginning of the year, we vote on a new proposed budget for the year. But even beyond that, we talk about uh, more about the vision for the church. Here's some updates on different uh, ministries that we have here from some of the leaders. And so it's a good opportunity to get together to take care of some important church business, but also to hear a little bit more about what's going on in the life of Trinity. So I would encourage everybody uh, to stay for that. So that is next Sunday, right after service. Um, and so what I'd like to do now is I'd like to invite um, three guys to come up. Uh, Ken Miller is going to come up, and Brother Andrew and Bill. I think Bill is here. If you guys can come on up. Come on up. Yeah, all three of you together. That'll be great. Yeah. The three amigos, the three stooges, however you want to, you know, yeah, that's right. So everyone wants to go first, but these guys were part of the group. We had, I think, about 15 people that went last Sunday to go uh, down to Delaware for our outreach. And so just they just wanted to share a word or two about that. And so, Andrew, if you can start, please, that would be wonderful. Good morning to you all. I just want to say glory to God and um, give him all the respect that is due. Um, going on this outreach, um, we was like united when we went down there. And God is so amazing. When we got down there, it was like completely darkness underneath this bridge. Um, when we landed, it was probably at least like a good 25, 30 already out there in the streets. And um, just looking at them, it was like going out there, they looked like they was lost sheep. And I was like, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and divine appointments we could spread amongst these people, you know. And um, they need a shepherd. And that's what we was down there to do, to spread the light of Jesus Christ. And, and um. If you're not serving it, what are you doing? That's what I'm asking. I know we got to work. I know we got time to spend with other people. And um, we got to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's the most important thing in our life. Because the thing is, if you're not sitting with him, who are you sitting with? We want to spread this light of Jesus. I know it would be obstacles in our life that comes up in our life sometimes, and, and it takes us away from him. But he said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody come to the Father unless you come through me, John 14, 6. And um, you want to spend time with him. And um, it was amazing on the ride down was me, Billy, and my group was in our van, Billy and Angela, and, and we were sharing love like that. And um, it was amazing what he was doing. 
And when we when we seen the people out in the streets like needed coats, I just want to thank Trinity for all the coats y'all was donating through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We got rid of probably like 10 or 12 bags of coats down there, um, hats, gloves, scarves. People were so in need. They were so happy to see us there. You know, I know they were seeing Jesus in us. It's not us. It's Christ in us, you know, Christ in me. And I just want to share real quick. This blessing bag right here, blessing bag got, you know, you got the water, you got the socks, you got the toothpaste, you got the gospel of John, you got daily breads. Um, we got all, this is actually the bait. When you go fishing, you got to have the right bait to catch them, right? This is the bait right here. This does really all the work for you because actually we got a card in this. It's called seekthekingdomfirst.com that on the back of it, you could come to Christ in that way because some people like, they don't really like talking to Jesus like right away. You know, they get, now when they get home, they read the card, you know, you never know what's going to happen after that. But I just want to say, you know, it, it was a blessed trip going down. I remember me and Ken at the end, I remember this guy, he was trying to get back to North, North Carolina. He was crying so hard. Like, you know, he's so emotional. I got to get back to North Carolina. Can you pray? Can you pray for me? We prayed for the guy and he was so happy after that. But I ain't going to keep all the time, but I want to give it, pass it over to Ken and, and let him know what you're doing. Thanks, Andrew. So I have, a, I guess, a couple of takeaways that I got uh, from going down there. Um, Andrew explained it perfectly. When you pull up, you're basically underneath this bridge. It's very dark and danky, moist. Um, but um, there's people, as soon as you pull up, there's people already starting to form to come and, and join the line. Uh, we were joined by another church group that was uh, right near us. They had pulled up. They had, like, separate other things that they were uh, giving out uh, as part of their outreach. And uh, for us to have the jackets, we, as Andrew mentioned, we gave away a ton of jackets, including children's jackets. And I just got to say, that's if nothing else touches your heart, when people come up to you and, you know, even they feel sometimes ashamed even asking for anything. And then when there's children, you know, you see these children walking up and they have so much need, these families. So to be able to be uh, blessed by that, um, to be able to do that, uh, my spiritual gift definitely is service. I love serving. But this is also like way outside of the comfort zone, too. A lot of times, you know, how you have to kind of step out in faith and trust God. Uh, my personal favorite part of it was being able to pray for these people uh, who were so willing to be prayed for. Um, you know, a lot of them certainly had a lot of different needs, but when you started talking to them and engaging them in conversation, you learned a lot about them, where they came from, and what situation that, uh, that they were in. Uh, so, uh, again, I was so appreciative, and we got to, we rode down with uh, Santosh and uh, Prima, uh, so we got to meet them quite a bit, too, and, you know, spend some time with them, which was great. It was really a good time of fellowship. But uh, Pastor Keith was there. He was definitely jumping in and uh, many other people who, uh, who were just uh, being able to help us out. And uh, so such a blessing. I encourage you, if you have the opportunity at some point, definitely go out and do it. Um, you'll be blessed by it. I just want to thank Andrew and Elizabeth and Keith and his church just for having this ministry. Because once a month, right, you guys are going out once a month. They encouraged me to go, and I was, I'm new here. Connie and I are new here, and I'm looking for fellowship. How can I get to know you guys? You get to know us and grow in that fellowship, so it was a perfect opportunity. And that's probably what I enjoyed the most about it was the ride down with Angela, Andrew, and get to know them and vice versa. Um, and I know that, you know, some of these folks that we spoke to um, were not in their right minds. You know, they're obviously 
when you're in that condition, you know, sometimes it's just hard luck. Other times it's a mental thing that you're going through that you can't, um, you really don't have success in society or whatnot. And I was thinking that these people that are like that, they go straight to heaven. They never have the opportunity to be in a relationship which they can't understand. They're never held accountable like an aborted baby or a young child that never gets to that age of accountability. So I'm thinking, I'm going to see these people. I'm going to see these people in heaven. They're going to say, hey, you don't remember me, but you guys came and you gave us food and clothes underneath the train tracks that day. And, and what a blessing. I'm so glad that, you know, this great reunion in heaven that we're going to have. But, and then the best of all uh, of the trip was the um, Royal Farms chicken. Andrew, Andrew took Angela and I to Royal Farms Chicken. We had food on the way down. We were blessed to serve, and we got fed on the way back. Uh, what's better than that? Uh, as a pastor, I'm always looking for ways to motivate people, you know, to serve. And so I think maybe Royal Farms Chicken, I mean, I guess, you know. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. But uh, actually, you will hear more next Sunday, a couple of more testimonies. There were some people that really, really wanted to share what their experience was like, and they weren't able to be here today. And so we'll have part two next week just to hear a couple more testimonies and um, just about what God did. And uh, so again, another um, wonderful opportunity. Please uh, just consider to pray, you know, pray about that. Yes, it's not for everybody. We understand that. So there's no pressure there, but what we're just trying to do is create opportunities here at Trinity to do what we say, to learn, grow, and serve, right? And so uh, we serve each other, and like I always say, outside these four walls, and so our missions team, um, you know, we meet at, uh, just about every month, and then we, we try to plan these, these uh, outreaches, and it's all, it's all different, different ways, you know, different groups of people, and they look different, but uh, it's just, um, it's wonderful to be able to do that with others and brothers and sisters in, in Christ, and you can see even from these these three gentlemen, different kinds of experiences, but there is that theme of being able to, to just share the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus with people that are struggling, struggling with homelessness, uh, poverty, addiction, whatever, mental illness, whatever it is, everyone needs hope and everybody is looking for hope. And even if you just see them for a short period of time, uh, it truly is a blessing. So what I'd like to do now is I wanna pray. I just wanna pray for those people that we were able to, to meet Last Sunday, pray for that continued ministry, um, and just pray as we move into opening God's Word together. So church, would you pray with me? Father, um, again, we come before you in prayer, and Lord, just say thank you for the privilege of being able to be the, the salt and light uh, to represent you and to share the hope that we have within us. Lord, may we all be willing in our own way to take advantage of those divine appointments, to tell people about Jesus. And Lord, um, many of us had uh, a wonderful time of just getting to know some interesting and, and uh, wonderful and amazing people, but people, Lord God, that have unique struggles, things that perhaps we we don't often talk about or interact with, but Lord, um, I just pray right now 
that you would please just continue to keep close to you. Those people that we met, especially, that we got to talk to, that we got to hear from, just to give a listening ear. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use something that we said or did to, uh, to draw them closer to you. Father, we know that you just simply call us to plant the seed. And so that's what we did. But Lord, we pray for them. We pray that, um, that those friends that we met on the street there last week, Lord, that they would have a warm place to sleep tonight, that they would have food in their stomachs tonight. Lord God, if they are tempted by any kind of addiction, that they would have the strength in you to say no. But Lord, most importantly, that you would continue to surround them with good people that will love them, that will continue to point them towards Jesus. So Father, bless them. Bless that ministry that's down there, the Sunday breakfast mission. Bless them, Lord, as they minister to this group all throughout the week. And Father, finally, um, Lord, continue to use us as your children, as your church, to bring hope, to bring help to a world that is in desperate need. Lord, we just want to be available to be used by you. And so we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We continue our study in the book of 2 Peter, and so for the time remaining today, we will be looking at 2 Peter, we're still in chapter 1, and it's verses 5 through 11. So I encourage you to turn in your Bibles, or you can use the app on your phone that you use often. If you don't have a Bible, there should be ones in, in front of you somewhere there, and I encourage you to do that. We will have uh, the one main verse up uh, on the screen, and I've done some highlighting and underlining. That's not from the scriptures. I did that just uh, for uh, convenience for this morning. Uh, there'll be some other scriptures that I reference as well that I'd love for you to turn to when we get there. But again, we're in Second Peter, and as you can see, it's chapter 1, and we are in verses 5 through 11. And it's all about what it looks like to be a growing disciple. How is it that we know that we are growing? We've talked a lot here at Trinity about discipleship and pursuing discipleship. We spent the whole fall and early winter going through our series on the discipleship pathway and all of those 12 stepping stones uh, that we need to give attention to, that Scripture tells us that every disciple needs to be growing in. And so Peter here, as a, just a, as a way of review, is writing to the same group of people he wrote First Peter to, and they're up in uh, what we call uh, the area of Turkey right now, sort of northern central Turkey, and they were churches that were struggling, they were being um, persecuted, but there was also false teachers that were kind of starting to come into the churches. And Peter needed to remind them of who they were, what the truth was. And he reminded them, as we looked in the last two weeks, that they need to simply grow, as we do, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's how he starts this letter and how he ends the letter, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our theme verse for the whole year. And so now what he's doing as by way of encouragement, he is, in our verses today, showing these Christians who are struggling 
how they can know that they are not only disciples, but that they are growing. There is a way, in a sense, to measure this. Now, when our kids were younger, maybe some of you did this as parents, we had, um, we had part of a door frame in our, in our home that was right outside our kitchen, and it was going upstairs to the bedrooms, and, um, and it was just this molding, and what we did is we would often just measure the height of our kids, and we would mark on there the date and the height and which kid it was, and it was wonderful over the years to see them grow. What a great visual, right? And you know, there was all part of it was, you know, there was a little bit of competition between the kids to see and kind of like, it's really kind of hard for you to like, you know, work at growing taller, but yet we can grow, of course, and there's things that we can do, and here's the point, there's things we can do to help ourselves grow, right? We are to eat right, exercise, we are to learn to help grow our brains, and um, there's things that we do that we take initiative to do, to be diligent towards, to help our growth. But we love just kind of measuring the height of our children because it marked milestones. And you would look at the date, and every once in a while, we'd take a look at it, you know, and, and just kind of remember, oh, yeah, when we, we measured you there. And then as we had family come over over the years, we had family that's like, hey, I want to be on that chart. And so all of a sudden, we had aunts and uncles and people on there. And it's wonderful because there's a way to measure. It's a visual, right? And I was always the tallest one. And so I loved it. I was like, great, let's measure it, right? Never, it was always me. There's Keith and then everybody else. Until my daughter Lauren got married to her husband, Ben. And he is like this. So I'd always tell him, stop being taller than me. Which, of course, he can't help it. So I was always the tallest until my son-in-law came along. But I still love him. I still love them. But what a great visual, and I think you understand the point I'm making, is that there are ways to measure growth, right? We can measure how tall our kids are getting year after year, marking milestones in their life and in their growth into adulthood and maturity. But I, perhaps, if some of us were honest with each other, we Maybe as we get older, we could start that again, but I think it would start going in the opposite direction, wouldn't it, right? We want to be honest with ourselves, but there is a way to measure how we are growing, and Peter lays out a list of characteristics, of traits, of things that mark a disciple, and these are ways to see very simply if we are growing in Christ. Now, is it exhaustive? I'd say no. As we look at all of Scripture, there's other things that we can add, but Peter chose, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, to give us a list. And sometimes we like lists, right? Some of us are like, yeah, just give me a list. I want to do this, this, and this. I want to check it off. Well, here's your opportunity, in a way, to do just that. Because Peter kind of gives his own description of the marks of a disciple, like we went through in the fall, we looked at all of Scripture, all the New Testament, to look at those 12 stepping stones. Here is a different version of that. Of course, it's all related. And you'll start to hear some familiar words that will connect to other verses. But here, Peter is saying now, okay, there's going to be false teachers among you. You have to just keep growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And if you remember from last week, he talked about what it looks like. He's like, here, if we are growing, he's like, here's what you have to do, right? You have to take this initiative to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to grow you up in the faith, and our part in our sanctification process is to be obedient to the Lord. So now he gives us a list. He kind of unpacks it a little bit. And so here's the list. And so we're briefly going to go through each one. As you can see, I, I um, just highlighted and underlined them uh, just for purposes for this morning. But Peter is giving this list specifically so that Christians can be encouraged, so that the original readers and listeners of this letter would be encouraged, so that they would have a way to mark their growth. Because he goes on to say, as, as you'll see, and I'm going to read it in a moment, he said, we need to be increasing in these things, growing in these things, and if not, there's consequences. And so that's also in our reading for today. And so there is an importance in giving attention to this list of things. So let me read it for you. I'll read the whole passage, and then we'll briefly go through each one and see how it is that he says, if you're growing in these things, here's what happens. If you're not, here's what happens. And then he kind of gives the final conclusion to it all. Right? So here's what it says. So Peter says, now, for this very reason also, if you remember, he was talking about the blessings of being partakers of the divine nature, we talked about that last week, meaning we get to participate of a relationship with God, participate in our growth, we have a part to play. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, I'll come back to that phrase, and then he starts the list. In your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. There's eight things there that we'll briefly go over. He says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, and remember, we always have to remember, if it says therefore, what is it therefore, right? So therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, there's that word again, diligent, to make certain about his calling and his choosing on you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. And we will unpack that as well and what that means for us. So let us look briefly at each of these eight things that he um, talks about. And then we'll see what the reasons are that he gives them. Okay. Some of these, I would say, are, are pretty self-explanatory, so we'll go through them briefly, but it's important that we understand this. Now, I, I want to make a, a statement here first. What's really cool is that, um, you know, in the, the Greek language, it's important, and many of you use, like, uh, Bible study tools online and everything. We have much more access to 
the original languages, but um, so much comes out that can get lost in uh, English or other language translations. But in the original Greek, what's really cool is that this whole sentence structure really is set up as a progressive statement, meaning that Peter purposely puts these words in order. Really cool. And so you'll kind of see that, but it's important for us too. It's been described as maybe like a ladder or a pathway or an ascending pathway, if you will, right? And so this is given to us by Peter really in order. And it doesn't mean that we can't, let's say, focus on brotherly kindness, you know, before we do anything else, but there is an order to this. God is a God of order after all. And so Peter gives us sort of this rational progression of how to measure our growth in Jesus Christ because he simply says you need to be growing and increasing in these things and that's how you will know. These will help us to know if I am growing as a disciple and committed follower of Jesus Christ. So they are in order. And so of course he starts with faith and he says, now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith. So he starts with faith, why? that is the foundation of being a follower of Jesus Christ, is it not? If you remember, um, in the fall, when we went through our discipleship pathway, right? The very first step, which is highlighted, it's bigger, it's, I know you really all can't see it, but it's, in different, it's a different color. The first step of every disciple is trusting in Jesus for salvation. That is faith, that's what Peter is saying. All of the rest of it, not necessarily is linear, right? But there is sort of a natural progression, but everybody has to start at the same place. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are committed to be a disciple, then as Peter reminds us, it all starts with faith because you can't be a true disciple of Jesus if you have not put your faith and trust in him for salvation. Do you see that? It's the foundation, it's been said this way. You're gonna build a house, you lay the cement foundation, how often do you lay the foundation for the house? Once. You lay the foundation and everything is built upon it. So Peter is saying, start with the foundation of your relationship with God, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. So he says, so we have this foundation, right? The, the beginning of this, this path, the, the, the first rung in the ladder, so to speak. He says, in your faith, add to it or supply moral excellence. So we start with faith. The Bible says we can't please God without faith. It's our salvation, the foundation of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he says, first add moral excellence. In other words, goodness. Some of your versions might say goodness. So to the foundation of our faith, add goodness. What is goodness? Very simply, it is much like the fruit of the Spirit. God is good. It's like being more Christ-like. But the fruit of the Spirit, it's in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. It won't be up on the screen, but I would like you to turn to it, if you could. The book of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And it simply says this. Many of you maybe have even memorized this list before. But Paul says in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll read it again. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Now the fruit of the Spirit, which I'll explain in a second, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Another list, right? It's very similar. In a way, these describe goodness. These describe goodness. And so this list of Peter's is actually very similar to the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so another list, but we see when he says, add to your faith moral excellence or goodness, he's saying, exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the rest. And so the idea is this, church, when we are to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, first we understand it's not our fruit, it's the Holy Spirit's fruit, and as we obey the Lord through yielding to the Holy Spirit, being obedient, it then allows the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us to bloom, right? We all understand what a fruit tree looks like. In the, in the autumn, in the fall, we like to go apple picking, right? Go pick some pears, some apples, and, and we understand what that looks like. And we say that, boy, they can be, look really delicious and they're, and, and they're attractive and tempting, right? And so that's the idea, the fruit of the Spirit are all these things listed. And so Peter is out of just saying, add to your faith first moral excellence or goodness, the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying, live by these things. These things should be coming out of you. You should be exhibiting these things. You should be living according to love. You should be loving and joyful and, and bringing peace wherever you go and the whole list. And so Peter says it this way, moral excellence. He kind of sums up the fruit of the Spirit. You see, there's a great connection here. Again, the fruit of the Spirit is also a good list. It's a good way to mark, are we growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ? And so, he says, add to your faith moral excellence, goodness, which is like the fruit of the Spirit. So he's saying, then from there, add to that moral excellence knowledge. You see how he keeps building? And he says, add to this, this. He doesn't just say, do this, then get rid of it, then bring this. It's like he's building a house. Right? So add to your faith, goodness, or moral excellence, and then to the moral excellence on top of that, you're going to add knowledge. And we talked about that last week. He starts and ends the letter talking about growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So get to know him better. Get to know about Jesus, all that he is and all that he has done, but get to know him. Grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Do you see that? So knowledge. And again, He's also, remember, in the context of the letter, this is really important, church, that the reason he's writing the letter is because there was these false teachers, what we, we've come later to be called Gnosticism, is sort of the early form of that, which, again, if you remember, it was this idea of these people who claimed to be Christians but said, you also have to add to your faith this secret knowledge, this special knowledge that only a few of us can have, right? Like a secret uh, um, sort of understanding of God that you can get you know, nowhere else, not even in the scripture. And, and Peter is refuting that. So when he uses knowledge, he's like using the word that they would use, but he's giving the right definition, you see? It's really important. I think we all understand even more so today than ever before. Isn't it important when you have a conversation with somebody that you define the terms, right? 
It's important in marriage, it's important in conversations, whatever the topic, whether it's political or it's cultural or just something in your relationship. Define the terms, because the terms change. Even today, you want to talk to somebody about God. You believe in God? We need to define what God are we talking about? Are we talking about the one true God, the God of the Bible? You see, we have to define what it is we're talking about. So he says, with the foundation of faith, add to that goodness or moral excellence, to that, add knowledge, not like the Gnostics, the false teachers, the knowledge of the true God. And then he says, adding to knowledge, self-control. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, that we are to add self-control. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit as well, isn't it? It's the last one listed. Control your emotions. Act on the knowledge that we just were before, the knowledge and self-control. So don't act according to just your emotion and how you feel about something or how you feel about God in the context of this passage, but about what you know. See, oftentimes, well-meaning believers can get caught up in feeling, I just don't feel God in my life. I don't feel God being close to me. Well, perhaps we understand what you mean, but it's really not based on your emotions. God gave us our emotions, right? But we are to control them by filtering everything through the teaching of Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see how important that is? We go to worship God. Our emotions are part of it. But the most important thing is that the, the words we're singing are true and that we're singing truth and being filled with truth, right, as the Holy Spirit leads us in worship. Do you see that? And so he says, add to your knowledge self-control so that you're living according to your knowledge and not just your emotions or how you feel. And then he says, add to that, he keeps building this, add to your self-control perseverance. Why? This all makes sense because if you are more self-controlled, right, and growing according to the knowledge and not just your feelings, then you will be able to better persevere. See, it's it's logical. It makes sense. Perseverance meaning simply, no matter what our circumstances are, especially when it's difficult, we understand that we can gain our strength from the Lord, and it is based on our faith. Remember, the foundation is faith. So if the house starts to shake and we're feeling a little bit unsettled, You know, we exercise knowledge, we remember who Jesus is, self-control, okay, it's based on the truth, our identity, what we're doing is based on the truth and not just how we feel and our circumstances, then we can persevere because it's based on faith. Perseverance means simply trusting more in the Lord Jesus Christ and not to give up, to keep growing. So he's adding these things, self-control, he says, if you do that, you'll be able to better persevere. And then to perseverance, let's add godliness. So he had goodness, now it's godliness. Do you see how this is progressing? It's getting bigger and, and, and deeper. It's growing even deeper. It is, godliness simply means be more like Jesus. God says, be holy for I am holy. Be set apart. Godliness simply means being set apart from the, the world, Right? our enemy system of living, and give yourself more to God. Become more like him and his ways. That's how we know that we're growing as disciples. And two more. So add to godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. Now we kind of shifts here, but it all makes sense because these first six were really more about the inner person, more about our relationship with God. But then he says, here's the product of it. 
Because if you're growing in your relationship with God and, and you're, you're growing with, on your faith, you're building a goodness, moral excellence, and the knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness, and he says, this is what's gonna happen. Then you are to grow in the way that you treat others, right? Because again, remember, he's writing to a church and they're being persecuted and there's false teachers. He said, you need each other. You need each other to help each other grow each other to help each other grow. So he says, in brotherly kindness, we are to being built up. We're adding that on top of this, brotherly kindness. You've often heard this, but the, the, the word in Greek it is where we get the word Philadelphia, right? Phileo, it's a type of love. There are three major kinds of, of love in the Greek language, right? It's three or four, but one of them is brotherly love, like we would have for each other, brothers and sisters. And that's where the, the name of the city comes from. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Now, let me comment on that first. You'll be watching the, the football and the Eagles. and We hear a lot about, you know, the people on the radio saying, whatever you do, do not go to a game to watch the Eagles live if you are not an Eagles fan because they're brutal fans, right? And you hear many stories and you're just like, they play in the city of brotherly love. Doesn't really sound much like that, right? That's why everybody is rooting for the Chiefs. That's, I don't know, I just said it. But isn't that interesting, right? It's, uh, that's where this word comes from. So in Peter, he says brotherly kindness. It's that Greek word for a brotherly kind of love towards one another. So he's saying, you're building on all these things, your relationship with God, you're growing, and then as you grow, the outflow is going to then be that you're gonna be kinder to one another and you're gonna grow in your affection with one another and understanding your need for brotherly kindness, for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because it's gonna, how we're growing as Christians is gonna affect the way we interact with others. Does that make sense? It's about, it's, always, it's been described this way and it makes a lot of sense. We have really like two kinds of relationships in our life. There's the vertical relationship, us and God, and then there's the horizontal relationship, us with other people. We have to get this right so we can get this right, see? So how we treat one another comes from how we're growing in Jesus Christ. Based on our faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and then he says brotherly kindness towards one another. And then finally, love. Why? Because then this word for love, it goes beyond the brotherly kindness, this is agape. This is that most intimate kind of love that we have for God. It is a selfless love. It's the deepest kind of love. So he's like, you have brotherly love, but then we're really gonna love each other and love God in the way that we no human can without the Holy Spirit within them. So it ends with love. What's interesting is that Peter's list ends with love, but in Galatians, Paul starts his list with love. Let's think of it this way, right? If we're gonna look at both lists, it starts and ends with love, right? And how we measure our growth. Are we more loving in all that that encompasses and what Peter tells us? So let's close in the last few minutes with the rest of the verses. So he gives us this list and then he says, for if, so he's like, now he's kind of applying it. And this is important. We don't wanna skip over it, but want us to understand the progression of this list. He says, for if these qualities, so we take all of these eight qualities, are yours, meaning you're, you're growing in faith, so you are 
believers and you are committing to be followers of Jesus, if these are yours and they're increasing, see, I highlighted increasing. That's the whole goal here, right? It's not just like, oh, I have these or I've had these in the past, so therefore I'm good. It's no, they have to be increasing, growing. If they're increasing, then the positive is that they render you neither useless or unfaithful, which the opposite means you're going to be useful and you're going to be faithful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that word knowledge then. He's like, then you get it. Then you get what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So he's simply saying, have all these qualities and grow in them. We can always grow in our moral excellence. We can always have more self-control. We can always get to know Jesus more and and, and uh, persevere more, right? And be more godly and be kinder to one another and more loving. There is always room for growth. If you have been a believer for 50 years and you've been growing in your faith, there is always more room for growth. So we are to continually be growing. Then what does he say after this? After verse eight, he goes on to say, so, that if these qualities are yours, no, now he gives the opposite for he who lacks. So first he said, if you're increasing, then you're going to be you're going to be useful and you're going to be faithful. If um, if he who lacks these qualities, then he says you're blind or short-sighted. But look at how he qualifies this: having forgotten his purification from the former sins. Remember this: he is writing this to believers, to people who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing this letter to Christians, not non-Christians. That's why he says, build on your faith, because he's saying you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus. So he's saying simply this, church, and this is so important. If you're not growing in these things, then you have forgotten, as it says in Revelation, your first love, then you have forgotten what Jesus Christ has done for you. That I joked before about motivation. This is our greatest motivator, the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So oftentimes, if you feel like you're stagnant in your growth, take the opportunity to reflect upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. In just a minute, you know, we're gonna do that around the communion table. We're gonna do that as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, what it cost him for us to have been offered the gift of salvation. That's why Jesus instituted what we call communion remembering the Last Supper, the breaking of bread, right? Because we are to remember what he has done. It is the best motivator, being thankful for the grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So Peter says it here. If you're not growing, church, again, we're looking at this list as a measurement of growing as disciples. He says, if you're not growing, how about you take a moment to remember what Christ has done for you? Nothing more important than doing that as we measure our growth. In verse 10 and 11, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing. Doesn't mean we have to doubt our faith. He's just saying, you know that you're secure in your faith, but all the more what you're supposed to do is be diligent to do these things. And I want to say that for just a second. He started the passage by saying, applying all diligence, and then towards the end he's saying, be diligent. Why? And this is important. We don't just grow automatically. We don't just grow by osmosis. You come to church on a Sunday, and by osmosis, boom, I'm growing. 
It's by diligence, which means this. We have a part to play in our spiritual growth, right? Not in our salvation. We simply reach out by faith and accept the free gift. That's not a work. But yet when Jesus says, okay, now you want to be my disciples? Here's the hard work. Are you ready? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's the hard work. And Peter is kind of saying that. He's saying, look, here's what you are to do. Be diligent in your growth. It's like in our growth and maturity, be diligent, exercise, take care of the body I've given you, right? Read good books, read the word of the Lord, listen and grow, go to school. It's like these whole ideas about growing, he's saying we're supposed to be diligent in these things. We have a part to play to be growing disciples. At that moment, you believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. You believe in him and him alone, who he is, and he did what he said he was gonna do. From that point, are you willing to commit to be a follower of Jesus? And if so, it's the foundation of the faith. We add all of these things, but he says, be diligent. It simply means this, you have to keep growing. Sometimes we do the things that we don't feel like doing. I just don't feel like opening my Bible today. As an act of obedience, you can open it anyway and start reading. I don't feel like praying. You stopped as an act of obedience, you pray. Yeah, sometimes we don't feel like it, but we do it as an act of obedience. It helps us to grow. When you were a kid, did you want to go to school every day? Some of you did, right? Sometimes. You wanted to go to gym, you wanted to go to lunch, right? But we did the things that necessarily didn't want to do, but why? It was good for our growth. It was good for us. Did you always want to eat your broccoli? No, right? Unless it was covered in chocolate. But why? Because your parents said it's good for you and you will grow. Peter is saying these things are good for you, so be diligent. No matter how you feel, be diligent in doing these things because we have a part to play. We have to take those steps to do those things. As you heard earlier from the testimonies, maybe I don't want to go down to Delaware and help those people that are struggling way outside of my comfort zone. Maybe I'll take that step. I'll be diligent in my growth. Just one example. Finally, he says, for in this way, and it's a kind of a hard verse, an interesting one to end with, but I'll, I'll try to give you a very quick summary. He says, for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. That can be a little confusing. Why? Because, well, once we believe in the Lord Jesus, aren't we going to heaven? Are we going to be in the kingdom? Yes, we are. But what he's talking about here, it's really a whole nother sermon. He's talking about eternal rewards. I really believe that. There are scriptures, you can write this down. I won't have time to go through them all. Uh, you want to mark in, the, in the, the margins of your notes, 2 Corinthians 5.10 or 1 Corinthians 3.10-15. There's others. But he's simply saying this. You're saved. You're going to be with God for all of eternity. Because you remember, he's talking to believers, to Christians. But now, when he talks about discipleship, he's like, you know what? Now we're talking about there will be eternal rewards. It's basically going to be two judgments at the end of all things, one for believers, one for non-believers. Did you know as Christians, we will face a judgment? It is not to determine our eternal destiny. That has been secured in Jesus Christ. I hope you believe that. But there is a judgment called uh, the Bema seat, B-E-M-A. And Bema is really just a word for kind of like a pulpit or a, a raised platform. 
uh, in the synagogue it was used where they would read the Torah. It's kind of like our, where the pulpit would be, a raised platform, an altar, so to speak. The Bema seat. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what he's talking about. So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, meaning as a Christian, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 1 Corinthians kind of gives a list that as we enter into that judgment, again, not for our eternal destiny, but basically at that moment the Lord calls us home, there is a time of reckoning with Jesus about what we did as Christians. And in the 1 Corinthians passage in 3, 10 to 15, it talks about those things that we did that were bringing glory to God, that were in obedience to God, they will pass through the judging fire as silver, gold, and precious stone. It won't get burned up. But those things that we did that were selfless, that were selfless, that were disobedient, that were selfish, I should say, that were disobedient to God, right? Those things when we continued to sin, those things, it says, will be burned up like wood, hay, and straw. So there is some form of eternal rewards in heaven. It doesn't describe what it looks like. Maybe you get a little bit closer seat to Jesus. But I do know that we won't be jealous in heaven. Praise God for that, right? But that's what he's saying here. Let's make sure we keep that in context. It's not about judging our eternal salvation because he's talking to Christians and he knows they're secure in their faith, but he's saying, you know what? And I end it with this. What we do as Christians does matter. Our growth in our faith does matter. So we can be more loving to each other and we can be more self-controlled in how we relate to one another. Right? All these things in his list, it matters. So take that to heart because Peter is telling these persecuted Christians who are facing these false teachers, he's saying, you know what? It does matter what you do but you remember from last week, he said you've been given all of the tools that you need, all of the strength, all the riches and blessing to be able to do these things. That's how he starts, isn't that great? Remember that from last week, he's like, you're all set, God has given you everything you need, just trust in him and rely on him and be obedient, you'll be able to do all these things in increasing measure. We give him thanks. We are to always remember what he has done for us. That is our great motivator. So that's what we're gonna do right now as we move into this time, what we call communion, as we remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a moment, there'll be some music playing. We like to do that. It kind of just helps us to focus a little bit and bring our attention to the Lord Jesus in even a, a more maybe directed or focused way. But I would like you to just take the opportunity just for a, a moment or two to reflect on your relationship with Jesus, are you growing in these areas? Perhaps there's something you need to confess to the Lord, an unconfessed sin uh, towards him or towards a brother or sister. Take this time to reflect on what it costs for you to have eternal life. It was given to you for free, offered to you for free, you received by faith. But what did it cost Jesus? It cost him everything. So we take this time to reflect on that as our greatest of all motivators. Be thankful for his grace. And then after um, you take a, a few moments to do that, whenever the spirit leads, I'll just invite you to, to stand up and you can either come up here to grab a, a piece of bread and a cup or in the back there, and then you can return to your seat. Once everybody has taken their time to do that,
and gotten the elements and been back to their seats, then I'll lead us in closing of taking the elements together, right? As the Spirit leads, take your time, and you can grab the elements, come back to your seat, and then we'll lead them, taking them together. So let's take a few moments before the Lord. Receive from the Lord, but I also delivered to you. But the Lord Jesus, in the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat in remembrance of him. In the same way, Jesus also took the cup 
after that supper. And he said these words, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take and drink in remembrance of him. Church, let's stand and close our time by singing a song. Then I will close us in prayer. Hopefully you can stay and join us for a time of fellowship. Let's sing.
Father God, we are thankful. We have no idea how it could be. This amazing love, but yet we fully trust in you. We thank you most of all, and above all, for Jesus, for the life that we have in him, for all that he is and all that he has done for us. God, and through your spirit, go before us, Lord, as we continue in a time of fellowship. Lord, may we just continue to bless you, Lord, and be thankful for all that you have done. We love you, Lord. We love worshiping you and praising you. Thank you for all that you have done. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming. Please stay and join us for some time of food. Give the team a few minutes to set up, then we'll enjoy some food and fellowship together. done for me.